blind life is it anyway a blind perspective network i am your host victor guvea and um remember if you like what you're about to hear uh hit that like button and make sure you subscribe to our channel to get notifications when we go live uh or when we upload a video and uh we have a lot coming up for you uh that i can honestly say you're going to be interested in um of course you can follow us on on um podcast as well through apple google uh spotify and um you can also get a link to my dropbox folder which contains videos and audio uh files of this show uh of every show we put up so uh you can check that out too um today we got a very special guest that up until recently i didn't know existed now you have to understand with this covid thing and my being blind my exposure to other blind people is usually in the vicinity in other words in toronto okay you have to understand that so if if i'm going to meet blind people i go to the canadian national institute for the blind which i hate going there anyway because honestly it's grown beyond its britches but um every now and again you find someone special who who can do a lot of things and you know you meet them and they live so close and you just don't know it um and this person is really inspiring um her channel is called your blind girl uh your canadian blind girl and um She's got a Facebook page, and you can find all of her links in the description box to Twitter and her blog. And, of course, if you want to donate to uh, her her cause, you can feel free so uh, to do so at the PayPal link listed in the description box. Um, but, you know, I'd like you all to meet Ashley Stewart who I am very happy to meet. How are you, Ashley? Thank you for being here. I'm doing fabulous. Thank you for having me. I mean, you live so close to me, and here I am th <laughs> having thinking I'm going all over other places to find people. It's like I, you're just in my backyard about an hour away, <laughs> aren't you? Yep. Yeah, and it's, uh, you know, sometimes you just figure you miss the forest for the trees. Mm -hmm. It's amazing. Mm -hmm. um, I'm going to ask you my first question, which I ask all my guests. What is your visual acuity at the moment? So my vision in my left eye is completely blind. I can actually only see white. So even when there's no lights on, it looks white in my left eye. In my right eye, I can see about four inches away 
Um, but the thing is, it's so blurry, I can't really make out what it is. Um, and I have a little bit of light perception left, and I've lost color perception in my right eye. But if you give me the color orange, I see brown. <laughs> oh, I see. I see. Well, mm -hmm. that must be hard for you then. I mean, you... It can be. Very difficult. <laughs> yeah, you look at an orange, you want to eat it, but then you think, oh, no, it's brown. Um, I would have to know it's an orange before I even picked it up. So I'm actually okay. <laughs> um, can I ask what caused your blindness? Sure. So I have developed a condition called quinism, which it's not a byproduct or a side effect. People often mistake that. Uh, quinism is the results of brain poisoning from taking a medication called hydroxychloroquine sulfate which was an active prescription I was given to help to put the SLE lupus that I have into remission. And we did not know at the time that this was even a possibility. We did not even know that quinism was a thing. Um, for in more information, you actually can look up quinism.org and there's a list of all the um, effects of that as well. So there's more than just blindness involved. Now, how do you spell that for our viewers? Quinism is Q-U-I-N-I-S-M dot org, O-R-G. Yeah, I'll put the link in the description box a bit later when the interview is over, and uh, you guys can go there and look it up if you wish. Um, but this isn't something you've had all your life. I mean, no. you recently went blind like five years ago. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. which is amazing to me. Um, I mean, how do you find your life? Uh, um, you know, has it changed? Obviously a lot, but has it changed enough to where... I mean, I have to know. You, you, weren't, <laughs> you were blind when you went to the... Okay, for I'm getting ahead of myself because you have such an interesting story. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Uh, okay, first and foremost, you are a relatively young age. I'm, I'm not going to. 30. Okay, I wasn't going to say it. I'm not shy. I'm not shy. <laughs> okay, well, somebody told me you don't ask a woman her age, and I said That's <laughs> bullshit. I mean. Okay, so you're turning 30. So you were 25 when you lost your sight. I was actually 24 when I started to lose my sight. But we didn't right. know at that time I was going to end up blind. We just thought, like, because I had a grandmother who had to have, like, laser surgery or something like that, cataract sure. surgery. So at the time, as I was rapidly losing sight, I figured, okay, I just need glasses or there's going to be a procedure or a medication that, they can do to fix this. We actually did not get the quinism diagnosis until last year. So until the year 2020. So I've oh, been wow. living with this for, well, I've been living with quinism probably since I started the medication. We just didn't realize it. And it was always shrugged off whenever we brought up any of the symptoms of quinism. It was not taken seriously. It was shrugged off. It was, oh yeah, that's common in people uh, that we've seen at this clinic. Um, is not a big deal. Um, well, <laughs> 10 years uh -huh. down the road, it's a very huge deal. 
Right, and this, and you said two years down the road. I mean, you've been taking this medication for two years. A uh, lot longer. So I. Oh, sorry. I apologize. No worries. No worries. Um, I actually started getting sick with lupus when I was twelve, but it took two years to get diagnosed. So when I was 14, I started the medication, and I did not stop the medication until well into my 20s. Right. Yeah. Can you can you tell our viewers, uh, because some of them might not know, what is lupus? So there are four kinds of lupus. The one that I have is SLE, systematic. Uh, <laughs> I'm not going to be able to pronounce it, but you can Google it. SLE lupus, that's short for something. Uh, <laughs> so Google's it's, your friend. <laughs> I love Google. I love Google. I love yeah, Google uh, yeah, announcing yeah. things too. Uh -huh. um, but it's an autoimmune disease where your system that's supposed to fight off germs and bacteria that enter your body gets confused and starts attacking its own tissues and organs. And... Um, yeah, it can be tons of fun. And um, yeah, so you get inflammation, you get different things like that, you get problems with your organs pop up for no reason whatsoever. So it can be a very complicated and it's a very life altering uh, disease. I would imagine, yeah, especially mm -hmm. at 12 when your body is growing and, and mm -hmm. your body's just coming into its own. Yep. And you've developed other uh, issues with that lupus, haven't you? Like fibromyalgia yes. and yes. a whole so, series of... Uh, mm -hmm. Lupus uh, can be quite triggering to your body's system. Right. And once something gets started, your body, as it tries to remedy that, you develop other conditions as well. Right. Mm -hmm. Right. I know you gave me a laundry list, but can you give our viewers what you what you currently go through? <laughs> okay, so part of having lupus, you do have chronic fatigue that's naturally part of the disease, and you can get bouts of unexplained inflammation where you'll be fine, and then all of a sudden you won't be fine. Um, mine attacks the skin and joints mostly, but I also have had issues with <clears throat> my kidneys, my... Like and, and see, sometimes it becomes its own entity, so you don't actually know how much is the lupus involvement and how much is another condition. So I actively have lupus, fibromyalgia, rheumatoid arthritis, quinism, chronic bronchitis, um, chronic fatigue. I also have connected tissue disorder. My body does not produce collagen. Malabsorption disorder. I have type C malabsorption disorder. Um, <laughs> I'm sure there's more I haven't, uh, I haven't said. It's, it's a long list to keep track of, it really is. Ladies and gentlemen, she's still smiling. <laughs> I try to. This, I mean, <laughs> this is a testament to how inspiring you are. You are still smiling regardless of those diseases you're carrying. I mean, it's um, amazing. I do have times that I'm discouraged. Like I tell people, you know, it's not a bad thing if you have a day that you have to reboot your emotions um, because sometimes we need time to allow ourselves to grieve. And I never fully understood that. Um, over the last year, I really worked hard to become a certified therapist. And that really gave me an insight to learning how to function emotionally with all the challenges I was facing. And mm -hmm. so sometimes we need to allow ourselves time to grieve the things that we are missing. And it doesn't matter how long you've been blind. It doesn't matter how long you've lived with the disease. 
every belt of life, you're going to face something that is a new challenge for you to accept. So yeah. I have been blind for five years. I've never seen my husband with my vision. And I had to give myself time the day after I got married. I had to give myself time to grieve the fact that I could not see him, that I could not see our wedding. And I had to have a day to get over that so that I can move forward. And I think a lot of people are so quick to try and push accepting what they're going through that they're not giving themselves a time to let themselves breathe so they can successfully move forward. Right. And appreciate mm -hmm. what they have at the moment. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I mean, let's be honest, you married a person and you're not marrying what they look like. You're essentially marrying the person they are. Yes. And what they look like doesn't really matter because in the end you fell in love with the person they are, not the person mm -hmm. they look like. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's, that's what uh, drives love in the first place. It's uh, mm -hmm. that you find the right person who meshes with your personality and, and becomes a part of you. Mm -hmm. And uh, you happen to find that though mm -hmm. in a very foreign country. <laughs> Yes. <laughs> uh, I should say, uh, Ashley is. I, I'm sorry. I didn't realize you were actually married. Were you yes. actually married? I'm sorry. Okay. So I must have forgot that. My brain doesn't work, folks. No worries. No worries. See, she's, she's got that to look forward to in about 20 years or so. <laughs> I get that right now. Oh, okay. <laughs> there are times yeah. I actually wake up in the morning. Uh -huh. And I actually have a memory loss so bad. I don't know who I am. I don't know who my family is. I don't know who my husband is. I don't know where I am. And it takes about four or five hours for the memory to slowly come back. Are you serious? Yeah, that's part of quinism too. Oh, wow. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's kind of like waking up to a new day, isn't it? Literally. Well, the funny thing is, uh -huh. I actually can't remember not remembering. So people say to me, are you scared? And I'm like, I actually don't remember those episodes, so I don't know. It's scary for everyone else because sometimes right. they wonder, because sometimes it's longer than normal for me to come back to full memory. So mm -hmm. sometimes it's scary for people who are involved because you wonder, is today going to be the day that the rest of our life is going to be different? Mm -hmm. Um so, yeah, it's more scary for those observing than the person, like, for me. And how long has this memory loss gone about? I mean, how long have you stuck um, with it? I think two years because I was having it the year before I met my husband. I was having it not so bad that I was waking up completely memory gone, but I would wake up and like I was having trouble trying to remember things like even just trying to remember how to brush my teeth. Like I knew I needed to brush my teeth. I knew, you know, toothpaste, toothbrush. I knew that. But then when I went to do it, I like, it was like my brain was stuck and I couldn't figure out how to brush my teeth. So um, those kinds of days are very frustrating. I call those half days. So I have enough memory to be aware and conscious, but mm -hmm. not enough to try and get done what needs to be done. So I have a lot of days like that. Mm -hmm. um, and that can be really tiring and frustrating. Um, but then I also have days where I wake up and there's absolutely no memory left. Right. Right. Yeah. 
And and in the end, is there something that triggers the memory to come back, or just, does it just fade in slowly? Um, I think it just fades in slowly. I don't think anyone has mentioned anything specific that they notice seems to help. Um, my husband always tried to cheer me up. He would always grab our cat and be like, here, pet this. <laughs> um, <laughs> but there didn't seem to be anything that really helped. Okay, I should, I, I folks, full full transparency. I should say that I'm a little bit biased because <laughs> her husband is Filipino, mm -hmm. and uh, my wife is Filipino, and and my wife is a bossy woman. Okay, <laughs> so I don't know what her husband's like. So I'm going to assume. You know what? Yeah, it's probably the same thing. I mean, it's yeah. probably a generalized stereotype, but for God's sake. It seems to be true because, and this is the funny thing. So my husband is a very shy man. So uh -huh. when we're out in public, like I have a big mouth. I'm constantly talking and I'm very opinionated and mm -hmm. I come across very bold. And I think that gets mistaken for aggressive. Um, but I'm always like, I'm always talking. I'm always like, da, 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 da. so because I'm louder than him, people think I'm the bossy one. But with him, like, if he says no, there is no other way around that. If he says we're doing this, you bet it, you can kick, scream, throw a fit. That's what's going to happen. So, wow, <laughs> yeah, that's I think amazing. That's a, I think that's an um, ethnic trait. It, it, in the <laughs> culture, you mean? Yeah, yeah. Well, it's amazing because my wife, when she first got here, was timid and meek. Uh, but now Bye. she is just so for, I mean, she's out there. I mean, she'll speak <laughs> her mind no matter what. I think I've had a bad influence on her. <laughs> I think I have. I've Canadianized my, my, my wife. I Maybe. can't believe it. I don't know. Uh, and this, I mean, this is the part that really sucks. Your husband is back in the philippines and can't get here because of covid uh well we're still even working on trying to get his citizenship here right, right. we're working on that so yeah it's it's been a very traumatic uh experience because we've had a lot of stuff happen since we accidentally got stranded apart mm -hmm. so yeah i mean at this point i think the waiting list for uh, citizenship at this point is something like seven years in the Philippines, isn't it? Um, actually, if you're married, I think it's a lot faster. Is because, it? Okay. Yeah, yeah. So he's okay. coming through uh, because we're married. Um, and we were married in the Philippines. So, right. yeah, we're hoping. And, and Canada recognizes the marriage? We don't know. There seems to be some issues with that. So we're going to, I have to look into that further mm -hmm. um, with our paperwork as far as that's concerned. I mean, that's interesting. I mean, Canada has a very stupid way of looking at marriages <laughs> from other countries. Yeah, I mean, yeah. Especially here, you can on. just live with somebody and they consider you common law. Right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And yet, and yet, you, you can have all the paperwork for a foreign marriage, and they balk at that. Exactly. And you were married. Uh, typically, I'm I'm assuming because it was in the Philippines in the in the church. Yes. Uh, at the beach. Really? 
Oh, that must yeah, we had beautiful. A, we had a really nice beach wedding. I had always grown up. I had always wanted a beach wedding. And we were able to pull off a beach wedding at a resorts uh, that was having a wedding the same week. So they said, you know, we can recycle the flowers to use them at your wedding. Because my family, we don't have a lot of money. And mm -hmm. I don't have a lot of money. And right. um, so, yeah, it just turned out really well. My mom made the bridesmaids dresses because I wanted the theme of our wedding to be light blue, which is my husband's favorite color. I love any shade of blue, but light blue and coral peach. I wanted those two colors because I remember from painting before because I used to be uh, I used to paint and draw and photograph. So right. I wanted the colors light blue and coral peach and mm -hmm. um yeah it turned out really really well a lot of people thought that our our wedding photos had to be photoshopped because they just turned out so well because we were able to get a lot of the photos um in the ceremony right as the sun was coming down getting ready to set so mm -hmm. it just worked out really well um to get a lot of stuff um look really really amazing i mean i have to ask can I assume you were very independent before you went blind? Very. <laughs> yeah. Very, very. <laughs> so yeah. what, the, I mean, what do you miss most about uh, your sight? Um, or sorry, your sighted life, I should call it. I mean, what do you miss most? Well, I would say number one would have to be independence because when you lose independence, it feels like you lose a part of yourself. And it also feels very, um, like almost very degrading because people just seem to view you and your life completely different uh, than they did before. And it's almost like you become invisible in the society we live in. And that's a shame. And that's really too sad because I feel like that's why a lot of people just give up trying to move right. forward, trying to have the, the dream that they've always dreamed. Um, so, like, number one would be independence. Number two is quite weird. Okay. <laughs> I miss seeing people's faces when I talk to them. Like, knowing what they look like. Knowing okay. the shape of their nose, the shape of their eyes, the... The right. shape of their their cheeks and their lips and their teeth sure. and like their chin or you know what I mean like I'm missing their face when they're talking but um, I've learned to really listen to someone's intonation of when they're talking so mm -hmm. you can just hear the emotion in their voice but yeah I really miss seeing people's faces. Do you find it easier to? Uh, I mean, what's the word I'm looking for? to judge a person's mood based on their voice as opposed to based on their looks? Um, only if I've been around them enough to understand like the way they talk. I have okay. a friend who she talks very monotone all the time. Mm -hmm. So when you first meet her, you might think, oh, wow, she's just very, very depressed. Um, and she's not. It's just her, her voice is very, very flat. She doesn't have a lot of high and low intonations. So, um, you know, that can be tricky to navigate. Mm -hmm. So for me, I'm like, I don't really try to judge someone's mood by their voice because unless you you know them really, really well, that can mm -hmm. be hard to tell. <laughs> right, right. Yeah. I mean, one, I, I should say, I mean, back when I could see I was a counselor and I was able to tell when a person was lying based on their 
uh, well, their body movements and their facial features and, and stuff like that. I mean, now it's, it's just so hard for me. I, yes, I'm cynical and pessimistic, <laughs> but at the same time, I don't know whether the person I'm, I'm talking to is or not. And, and right. it's only the truth. And I mean, the thing that I miss most from being sighted was driving. Mm. I mean, I used to love to drive. And I guess, in a way, that was, uh, well, indicative of my sense of independence. The fact mm -hmm. that I could just go outside, get in my car, and drive mm -hmm. off for however long I wanted to be. Mm -hmm. And uh, I could enjoy myself. Excuse me. I could enjoy myself in, in, in you know, in life, mm -hmm. in my yeah. life. But I actually, I'm, sorry, go ahead. No, I'm so sorry. No, no, it's okay. Go ahead. That was done. Oh, I was going to say, I actually never had that experience because I have seizures. So there were times I was studying for my license and then I would have seizures and that would interfere. So I actually never had that opportunity. And I'm actually really thankful. Um, it can be really hard to be thankful to have seizures because they mess up a lot of your plans. But I am very thankful that I never had that opportunity to drive because I feel like it would be a lot harder for me now to be coping right. with the lack of independence that I have. Like, I'm frustrated with the lack of independence that I have. Um, a lot of my independence is really based on my situation. Uh, where I'm located, we don't have public transportation. So mm. that means I always have to have a private driver. So well, and just, I either just, have so people, just so people know... Uh, up here in Canada, and I believe this is the same in the United States. Uh, if you get a personal driver, it's actually tax deductible as a medical expense on your taxes. Only if it's to a doctor's appointment. <laughs> really? Yep. Oh, okay. I read something. It has else. to be. It has to be. Oh, it's written up differently on Canada's web, um, Canada's uh, website. But actually, it's only the medical appointments, and it's only ones that have been pre-approved with the program that you have recorded it. Right. Right. Yeah. So there's there actually a lot of loopholes for that. <laughs> yeah. Some. So, you know what? It's amazing what people can learn, and I, I'm sure there's somebody out there who says, "I can't afford to go to the doctor," mm -hmm. and they have mm -hmm. to take public transit but there is no public transit and yeah. that's unbelievable yeah. yeah that's a really sad uh fact of life there's a lot of uh hindrances unfortunately and i'm hoping that bringing awareness to situations can change that because i keep thinking to myself i don't like the way society is for the blind right now and i would not want to bring a uh, blind child into this world knowing the way they're going to be treated and the way they're going to be ignored well, that's interesting. I mean, mm -hmm. I, I was actually speaking to someone yesterday and um, way back when there was a, a uh, show host named Phil Parr who did a show called Blind Like Me. Mm -hmm. And his axiom was, if you're going to go blind, now is the time to do it because there's so much technology out there now that can help a blind person. There is. Um, I always tell people... There's the ability, but there's not the opportunity. So, yes, there's amazing tech out there. How are you right. going to pay for it? Exactly. 
There is amazing, like there is stuff that you could work as a cashier. You could actually run your own business. How you gonna How you gonna get that employer to believe you can do it, or to hire you? Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So yeah. yes, there's stuff available, but society has not changed. Technology has changed, but society has not. They look at people like me and think, well, you should be sitting at home. Your family should be supporting you. Why should my family be supporting me? I'm an individual. I'm independent. I want my own family. I want my own house. I want my own job. And and what happens if they're no longer in your life? I exactly. mean, what happens at that point? Oh, people think you should move into a group home. Right. Right. Exactly. Exactly. Mm -hmm. and, so, sorry. Go ahead. Yeah. I was going to say, society has been led to believe that blind people don't have a problem. They sit at home. They willingly sit at home in a house that they magically own and that they're happy with that. Right. And who's feeding them that? Not any blind advocate I know. That's true. Mm -hmm. That's true. And I did a show. I mean, one of my sh first shows uh, was what it was like to go blind in Ontario versus British Columbia. Or not go blind, but live blind. Mm -hmm. um, because I, I did a stint out west. And, I mean, the differences were just night and day. Mm -hmm. uh, now, I think it had a lot to do with the fact that it, it was a small town, only 23,000. Yeah. <laughs> and here mm -hmm. I am living in a city of 2 million. So everything is available here. 24 hours a day, 7 days mm -hmm. a week. Whereas over there, by five o'clock, there's no more buses. Yeah. By nine o'clock, there's no more buses at the end of the work day. Mm -hmm. um, and paratransit was a joke. I mean, <laughs> let's not even get started on that. But, um, you know, I mean, I think in Toronto, in big cities, especially, you have certain benefits that maybe aren't available in a small town. Mm -hmm. um, I mean, what's the population of 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 where you live? Oh, I don't even know that. <laughs> oh. I don't even know that, to be honest. Now, see, I should have Alexa here. Is it really? Because mm -hmm. they keep expanding and building new areas, like subdivisions. Because it's where I live; it's mainly country, but mm -hmm. they keep expanding and building new new like i used to know the population but i don't anymore mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. so, so you, you forgot it or you just didn't no, I, care forgot anymore? It. <laughs> <laughs> I forgot it and then i just i just got out of habit of keep checking <laughs> i was just like, yeah. I'm like i don't know <laughs> yeah yeah i mean uh I, i'm assuming that you have the same because you live in ontario like i do you have the mm -hmm. same benefits i do uh, it's just hard to always. Get. Am I correct? No, uh, it can vary from postal code to postal code. Really? Yes. Yeah. Okay. Can you tell me about that? So I have a friend who, who they live in. So one of the benefits that's available for people with disabilities in Ontario is called Ontario Disability Support Program. Right. So the amount of income you get from that, which I would like to point out to people, um, getting a disability is not somebody deciding to sit at home and not work. It's somebody who they've actually had to go through a lengthy process with doctors, 
that have deemed them unhealthy enough to sustain a livable income. So it's not just people deciding I don't want to work anymore. It's actually health professionals having to diagnose, analyze, and actually give you a very degrading private form about your life and about mm -hmm. what you can and cannot do. So it's actually a very degrading, uh, very non-private um, thing that you have to go through. Yeah. So, and also too, it's it's not a livable income. So yeah. it's not, it's not you, you can't live on the income. You really have to have someone cutting you a deal on rent or food or whatever. Um, so I just want to say that foremost, because I know a lot of people have a lot of uh, misconceptions about that. They think people mm -hmm. seem to live really luxuriously and if they do uh, probably they have a sugar daddy just saying um or they have somebody mommy. yeah yeah they have somebody who's financially let's not be let's not helping be, them yeah let's not be gender specific now <laughs> <laughs> yeah um but like i'm just saying like they they probably have somebody who's decided mm -hmm. to help them out financially so when you see somebody who's on disability and they have nice hair nice nails don't assume they're cheating the system. It's someone's decided to be nice to them. And I think that's amazing that there are people like that. Right. So in my area for your income for rent, it's around eight to $900 in my right. area to rent an apartment. And this is like a bachelor apartment. So it's not even a full utilized apartment. It's actually at least 1300 in my area. Right. So 800 income, you can't get an apartment. No, you for can't. a low-income apartment, it's about a seven-year wait time, mm -hmm. and it's not a secure building. So I would not even be able to move into our low-income housing because it's not a smoke-free building. I have mm -hmm. health issues that that would complicate, um, including heart and lung. Mm -hmm. And like I said, it's not a secure building. So someone who's blind, someone uh, who might have a challenge recognizing what's dangerous and not dangerous. They would not be able to move into that facility right 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 okay so someone i know who lives in another area a different postal code they get 1200 income and actually their rent is about the same there so they're a little bit better off not much but it, it changes from postal code to postal code wow that's amazing also and what programs you can be allowed into that changes from right. postal code to postal code so you might say, well, you're allowed to enroll in this program. Well, because you don't have one in your postal code, you're actually not allowed to go to the next area that does have one because right. that's not your postal code. Right. They call it catchment areas that mm -hmm. are specific to yeah. a certain location. Mm -hmm. And and the worst part is, I mean, even if you do get $1,200, that's mm -hmm. not enough to live on for a person with disability. Well, even Especially, like even just paying rent. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I mm -hmm. mean, just paying rent is is ridiculous. But what mm -hmm. about drugs? For example, I'm yeah. on a boatload of drugs mm -hmm. that would cost me at least eight hundred dollars mm -hmm. a month mm -hmm. if I were to pay for them on my own. And yet, people don't recognize that. They just assume yeah. I'm living high on the hog at home yeah. and not doing anything else. Yeah. Um, and I actually have two prescriptions that I have to pay for out of pocket, uh, which I don't mind. Like, they're my prescriptions, whatever. Um, mm -hmm. But there's also a clause that while you're on disability, you actually can't get private insurance. There's a clause. 
And most private insurances have a loophole that they don't actually have to provide for you because you're on disability. So right. even if you want something different, even though you could work to get something different, you're still being denied access because of a societal view of what is available to you. So like my injections aren't covered, my needles aren't covered. They're only covered if it's written up by a prescription, which means I, I would have to go into that specialist every month to be getting a refresh prescription. So right. now you're talking about gas and time and trying to find someone else to drive me. So mm -hmm. <laughs> all of that, right? Like it's, it's a lot and um, people don't seem to get that. And when you talk about the difficulties, people assume like you should just be grateful for what you get. Um, yeah, I am grateful because if that wasn't there, I would be on the streets and who knows what would happen then. Um, exactly. But at the same time, don't act like people are using and abusing when mm -hmm. they're doing the best that they can with what society is giving them. Society could be, be doing a lot better than people who are blind. Like mm -hmm. I said, there are multiple jobs that any blind individual could be doing, but the reason they can't is not because of their ability. It's because employers are not given the opportunity to see what they can do. And that, right. again, that's not really in the employer's fault either. So, yeah. right? Exactly, exactly. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And I mean, we have, we have, uh, for example, I was talking to a woman who works for the IT department at the Indiana University. And I mean, she is amazing. She was talking to me and telling me stuff even I didn't know. Um which I'm actually going to incorporate into my channel. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, it's, it's stuff like that. People don't know these things mm -hmm. and it helps that other people are around like you and I, who can be able to tell them that, Hey, you can get help here or here. Mm -hmm. And no matter what you do, uh, there's a way that somebody will help you at some point but you also have to be independent you mm -hmm. have to try to be independent at the very least i'm at the point like i really don't want help from other people anymore because sometimes um help really doesn't come for free mm -hmm. and there's been times where people have tried to help and they've just made situations worse yeah right so sometimes you have people who are dealing from, I call it helper's trauma, where they've been traumatized from people trying to help or they say they're going to help and then they back out or, you know, so it really causes um, a lot of emotional distress for people who, mm -hmm. you know, like when I accept help, it's because it's offered. I didn't go and ask for it. So then mm -hmm. when you come at me with an attitude, you're the one who offered. <laughs> if you didn't like if you didn't want to help me, then why did you offer it to me? Like, why yeah, are you acting exactly. like I'm, you know what I mean? So, and you um, know what? I mean, a lot of people don't actually think that way. And that's the worst part. Mm -hmm. I mean, they offer to help you and then they either back out mm -hmm. or they choose not to, or whatever the case is. And mm -hmm. you end up being on the hook. Or they hold you up or, or they hold it over you. Right. Like, exactly. Well, I helped you. I helped you. Did I had a situation where someone they didn't actually help me, but they helped someone in a situation that we were in. Mm -hmm. And later they said to like I was talking to them about a totally different situation, calling them out on something, and they said to me, 
well, I helped you with this. That has nothing to do with the situation we're talking about right now. Like, right. why Why are you even bringing that up? <laughs> and, you see and, what I mean? Yeah, and at, yeah. at the end of the day, if we were counting, you'd find that you owe me a hell of a lot more than I owe you. Hello. <laughs> yeah, sometimes that's how it goes. Yeah. It's amazing, so, yeah. And, and I say to people all the time, like, if you were to, like, for instance, I'm hugely involved in church. Not everyone uh -huh. is. But I'm using that for an example because that's what I'm familiar with. Right. Um, I tell churches all the time, if you were to put out into the community that you had a blind program where you were offering rides, where you were offering to fill subtle needs, so maybe pantry needs, you were going to help them drive to doctor's offices, I go, you would find blind people coming out of the woodwork. Because right. the reason they stay at home isn't because they want to, because they've gotten to a point that they're tired of the way they are treated or ignored. They're tired of trying and, and not having a success, not from them, but from people around them. Right. And it's really yeah. a very sad situation. And I know too many people who are at home, not because they want to be, but because they're so, just so emotionally tired. And yeah. I don't really blame them. You know, I don't blame them. I don't judge them. I don't look down at them. Um, but I tell churches all the time, if you were to have a blind appreciation Sunday where, you know, you were having a meal, you were having a free ride, because I said some people have to decide whether they're going to get groceries or they're going to have one ride. Some people have to be making that decision. Right. right. Yeah. So, you know, and because people, like they think, people today seem to think that there's, hardly any blind people around <laughs> actually i can honestly say that <laughs> I, I, yeah i can that's honestly say that yeah. there's lots of blind people around they're at uh, they home. just don't show their heads yeah they're, they're at home yeah like, yeah you know and it's they're like, not the blind ones it's society that's blind right right yeah yeah so and, sorry uh, no <laughs> no <laughs> it's okay <laughs> Did you lose your train of thought? I, I no, no, no. I thought you were going to talk, so I stopped. Oh, okay. Sorry about that. Um, no, you know what? I agree with you. I agree with you. And a lot of times, uh, a lot of times, you suffer from that stuff, if mm -hmm. not emotionally, but physically as well. For example, oh, yeah, for people sure. tell you they're going to give you a ride to the and go with you to the doctor, mm -hmm. and then they end up backing out, so you lose the appointment to Last the doctor. Minute. Mm -hmm. Yeah, mm -hmm. and and on top of everything, you have to pay for that appointment because you had to cancel yeah. last minute. Yeah, and, and social isolation too. Like sometimes yeah. you have friends that they don't want to invite you because they think that you can't enjoy yourself. So they don't mean to leave you out, but they right. think, okay, you know, I know they've been dealing with a hard time, like not seeing something. I don't want to invite them because I don't want them to feel out of place, right? Mm -hmm. And then there's other times where your friends want to go hang out, but you can't get a ride. So now you have social isolation. And if anything, from this last pandemic that we're going through, I hope more people realize that social isolation really plays a huge factor in emotional health, like huge. And, you know, people are suffering needlessly mm -hmm. because there's just a really lack of interaction. Like I get notices all the time about, functions that are being held by a blind organization, but I have to get a ride. Like, the, yeah, the activity might be free, but 
me having to try and get a ride just doesn't work. So there's a lot of times I don't get any interaction outside Mm -hmm. of the one or two people who might check in on me once a week online. And, and I'll, you know, I'm going to relate a story to you that actually fits this, this particular topic, because even when you do have the ability to go, you find they don't treat you like everybody else or Mm -hmm. you don't treat yourself. For example, my wife used to go to a lot of dinner parties and these were, you know, parties that her friends and, and, and acquaintances would have. And I would go with her, you know, and what ends up happening is I'm sitting in a corner. Nobody approaches me. Nobody comes to me. Yep. Yeah, you know, about the yeah. only person coming to me is the is my wife who's bringing mm-hmm. me a plate of food. Yeah, you know, and and some might say that, hey, Victor, you know, why don't you get up and go mingle? But people try I and mean, get out of your way. How are you yeah. going to mingle? Yeah, not only that, who am I going to mingle with? The chandelier. Yeah, yeah. you know, that's exactly I mean, it, and people don't get it. No. And, I had like a very similar situation when I was living in the Philippines with my husband. Mm-hmm. Um, I wanted to interact with other people and, you know, like I tried very hard to learn the language, tried to be very openly, you know, communicative, friendly. And yeah, I was around people who they didn't know me that well. So yeah, no one, no one approached me. No one ever wanted to and I would I would I would reach out and say hey like what do you like to do I would find out what they would like to do and say hey do you ever want to like we can hang out and do that together you know whatever and people just feel socially awkward around you I like and I don't just I didn't just get that like there I've gotten that other places as well and Mm -hmm. it's really not a fun feeling especially like if you've been said it before like I was said it before I was like the goofy life of the party okay like i'm clumsy i'm like i don't think i'm funny but sometimes people think i'm funny so i was like the goofy right in the middle of everything life of the party and i went from that to no one really talks to me and suddenly and suddenly you're shy you're introverted and people are saying you don't interact with other people and yeah it's awful it's awful because you get judged yes even though exactly it even though you're not that type of person, they judge you to be that type of person yep. because yep. you have and no so, choice. Like sometimes even the worst thing is you're judged by people who should know better. Right. That's like, I don't care if someone, if I've never met you and you want to judge me, you call me a bad name. You make fun of who I am. You make fun of what I believe. I don't care. I, I don't get upset. I don't care. I don't know you. I don't care what you think. Right. It's when it comes from people who you think they should know better. That's what hurts. You know, you know what? I mean, mm-hmm. people live their whole lives. In fact, I know people who are in their 40s that still feel like what other people matter, uh, think matters. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's, and the you learned that, that so early. We're programmed that. We're programmed that from kids' shows from the time we're little. We're programmed uh-huh. that to TV dramas. We're programmed that like in religious organizations. We're programmed that in schools. So we're programmed to consider what other people think. 
Oh, and wait, so whoa, have, whoa, wait, wait a second. Did you say in religious organizations as well were programmed that way? I'm not claiming everyone, but I'm claiming I No, no, I, no, no. I'm, I'm I'm not no, no, I'm not giving you shit. I'm just interested in finding out how. Because I really didn't think about religious organizations actually, you know, uh <laughs> in that mindset. I never thought of it. Mostly because I'm not very religious myself, but <laughs> you know, how did they do that? I mean, can you explain or no? Um well, it's not necessarily just religious like that's my experience mm -hmm. um because i've also seen it like in clubs <laughs> when you belong to clubs and organizations too but right um yeah people expect you to you need to go you need to don't rock the boat really and right. like that's taught and everything like work everything and yeah. like i said like you you see it in kids shows like the kid that's different is laughed at right am i wrong yeah no you know, you're not you, like no. and then you you move on to the teen the teen shows and you have that nerdy girl that everyone laughs at the clumsy yeah. girl or, or the, the, one... the guy that doesn't fit in with the jocks you, you're trained right. to laugh at him you're trained to not be him you're trained right. to dress like the cool kids mm -hmm. you move mm -hmm. to adult tv series no you need to put on a facade so you fit in with the the group you want to fit in so we're programmed that from the time we're little. And right. this is why people seem to get a, a lot. I, I notice this. Um, when you have a disability and you've had to learn how to think outside of the box, you no longer care what people think. Right. Because you need to do, you need to do what works. And it doesn't matter if Susie over there doesn't like it and it's not cool. I'm going to do what I need to do to get through life. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and, and so I feel like this is why people sometimes have a harder time getting along with people who have disabilities because right. we have to look, we have to work outside of the box and That's we've right. gotten to the point. We don't care what your opinion is. Right. You, well, you, don't, you don't need me. Yeah, <laughs> you don't yeah. pay my bills. Right. And a lot of <laughs> um, the worst part is a lot of people think that don't think that way. They don't think that, Hey, this person is blind, so he has to do it this way. They yeah, don't think yeah. how a person. They just say, "Oh, the the cantaloupes are over there." Well, I've why never can't you been do it like there. everybody else? Yeah, mm -hmm. exactly. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's yeah. awful. Oh yeah. my god, it's amazing that you and I think the same way. And you're thirty, and I'm fifty. <laughs> I I grew up in a very Scottish Irish family. <laughs> my whole family thinks like that. <laughs> do they really? Oh yeah. Yeah, the only one that I think gets intimidated is the youngest two of my siblings. They're a little bit more reserved, uh, mm -hmm. but at the end of the day, they're still going to do what's right, what they know is right. And if you don't like it, well, they have to do what's right. They're exactly. not accountable to you. So yeah. exactly, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and I, I, you know, I have to say it's 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 amazing that someone as young as you thinks that way because not a lot of people your age do no i mean it's it's uh it's it's inspiring for me because it it means that hey maybe our generation is doing something right mm -hmm. you know and mm -hmm. uh, it's uh well when i talk to younger youth and stuff i always encourage them like Look at what you do. Are you doing, like, you're always going to get criticized for something. You're always going to be bullied for something. You're mm -hmm. going to be bullied or criticized if you do what's right. 
you're going to be bullied or criticized if you do what's wrong. So you might as well do what's right, know you're doing what's right, and not care what other people think. Right. Mm -hmm. Right. And mm -hmm. and at the same time, you know, you have to make what makes you happy. But mm -hmm. if it doesn't hurt anyone else, why should anybody else care? Yeah, that's exactly you, it. You know, as long mm -hmm. as you're not hurting anyone else, that's all that matters. Busy in your own lane. <laughs> your life right. is busy enough without worrying what somebody's doing in in a, in a different lane. Mm -hmm. So it, what's ne what's next for you, Ashley? Tell me. I mean, um, right now you've I'm got really a lot in the work. I do actually. Like it's it's crazy. I'm actually working on a few different books. Um, and then I'm actually working on. Um, a new series for my YouTube channel, actually. So I'm in the process of trying to figure out how to copyright some of the characters because I feel like it's going to be a huge hit um, with families. Mm -hmm. And I really want to be on top of the ball with copywriting and everything like that. Because like I said, I really feel like the whole concept is really what this generation needs, especially families that have children with disabilities. Um, I think they're going to love this series. And I also think it's going to be a very educational series for any other children. So I'm actually working on that. So I'm in the process of, I have a lot of things and ideas scripted. I have the music programmed. Um, I'm just trying to get my research on copywriting and getting it done. Mm -hmm. And then I'm also trying to get back to teaching music because I'm living out of a bedroom. <laughs> mm -hmm. because I don't have a place of my own. So I'm really working hard at trying to get my own place, um, get back to teaching music. And I've spent quite a few, uh, quite a few years studying real estate and investing and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. So I have the ability, I just don't have the opportunity. So I want to get right. to the point that I can invest in real estate as well. Mm -hmm. So those are like 10 year plans. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, because, you know, I'm not going to sit around and twiddle my thumbs waiting for my husband to get here. I'm quite independent. I don't believe I'm not a, I'm not a little princess that I'm going to wait around for a great big strong hero. Yeah, and, that, and that's the other thing. You have your husband to think about, which mm -hmm. you want to bring him over as soon as possible from the Philippines. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. at the same time, you have to make a living for yourself and him. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I mean, mm -hmm. I don't, I don't envy your position. No, <laughs> not right now, know, at least. No, not right now. Um, I tell people, hang on, because this is my rags part of my rags to riches story. I feel like if you hang on, you're gonna see something amazing happen, and right. you know, I think that's gonna be really cool. And I'm really hoping it'll help to inspire the next generation of children with disabilities. With hope, hopefully, you're right. Yeah. Um, I was actually going to wait until we cemented this, but uh, Ashley and I have been talking about a collaboration between her channel and mine, just mm -hmm. so you guys know, uh, and it has to do with crochet. She's going to be teaching blind people and other people how to crochet. Mm -hmm. uh, whether you're blind or sighted, you'll be able to learn from her. Well, yeah, well, you know, I mean, hey, there's uh, all of it. Uh, all of it is out there for sighted people. And it's there's nothing for blind people. 
Not really. Yeah, it's uh, it's amazing. And, um, you know, it's going to be an interactive thing between my channel and her channel. Uh, mm -hmm. You can follow her channel, Your Blind Girl. Your Canadian, Canadian blind girl. girl. I keep forgetting that. I keep forgetting that. It's because oh, you're Canadian. You're like, oh, she's Canadian. We, we all well, know she's Canadian. That's the thing. Yeah. You know, I, I just don't think of it as Canadian or Filipino or otherwise. Uh, but yeah, check out her channel. Check out her Facebook page. It, it, she's mm -hmm. on Twitter. And mm -hmm. uh, remember, if you want to donate towards her uh, her causes, by all means, check her out on PayPal. It's also down there in the links. Um, and her blog is amazing, too. I've read some of the things on there. Um, and, I, I mean, your recent video had you actually seeing, crying on, 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 on a video when you were looking at your photos from your wedding. Mm -hmm. The first time yeah. I saw a wedding picture. Yeah. Right. <laughs> I'm a crier. I'm I know. And it was, I mean, can you just, was it a raised picture? I mean, you could yeah, actually so, feel it. Um, it's in a raised uh, vinyl or vinyl, however you say it. I see it vinyl. I thought, I thought everyone did, but apparently not. So it's in a raised vinyl. And so the textures are different. So the hair and where the dress is and where like different details are, it's a rougher texture. And then there's mm -hmm. also areas that are raised or the opposite of raised. I don't know. Deflated. I don't know. No, um, you did it. You just did. I mean, <laughs> okay. So, yeah. So it has all of that all combined. So when I was first looking at it, it actually took me a few minutes um, to figure it out because... A lot of stuff that's tactile is very different. There's no universal tactile <laughs> way of how people do things. Right. So for me, it was um, it was a new kind of way for me to check it out. And it really was so cool. And I really, really appreciated it because it's been over a year since I've been able to feel my husband's face. And I really wanted, like, I at one point I was hoping I could, like, get somebody to sculpt his face for me so I could just feel it like have it at home and just and just feel it but yeah that that's like crazy expensive there's no yeah. way this broke blind girl's getting that yeah yeah but anyways I had someone reach out to me and she actually so she actually works with troubled youth I'm planning on doing an interview with her on my channel she mm -hmm. works with troubled youth providing jobs for them which I think is absolutely amazing and she started looking into trying to create affordable art forms for people to be able to send in their pictures so they can have a tactile version at their home. And I just, I think her mission is absolutely wonderful. I believe for a photo um, that size that I had on my, my video, I don't have the exact measurements. I, I really apologize. Um, but for something like that, it's around $50, which is actually very affordable considering some, of the, some, some other organizations that are around, right. um, you know, uh, and it's, it's nice to have that tactile keepsake that you can, that you can have, you know what yeah. I mean? Yeah. So I'm, I'm really, um, like she reached out to me. Uh, she was in one of the blind groups said, you know, I need feedback. I need to know that, you know, this works. I, I need, so I was one of the ones that said, you know, I would be interested in 
So she said, okay, send me a picture. So I had someone help me pick a, a picture from our wedding. And mm-hmm. I thought, you know, this would be really cool. Um, and I sent it to her. So I've actually had that sitting here in its original package for, I think, two or three months because I was so nervous about doing it because I didn't know if it would be, like, I didn't know if it would work out. I didn't know if I would like it. I didn't know, you know, so, but it was an amazing experience. Just, I loved it. Yeah, no, I can imagine. I can imagine. <laughs> and do you, I mean, you had the full the full treatment with wedding gown, bouquet, and, and yeah. everything. Yeah. Uh, so yeah. I can imagine how beautiful you look, uh, especially <laughs> on the beach. I mean, mm, I, I am nice. floored. Yeah, I am floored by the fact that you had your wedding on the beach. I, I liked mean, it. I was able to so hear the ocean, people. smell the ocean. Like, yeah. It was a full, like, the sand beneath my feet. Like, and we actually did something really special for me because one of the things, and I actually, I actually have another video of me crying, but not in a good way um, on my video called blind bride breakdown. Mm-hmm. Where, um, uh, I was crying about like, for me, the whole really cool thing about my wedding was before I went blind and I dreamed about my wedding. I always thought it was really cool when the bride walked in and like the groom was all like, oh, you know, like shy and bashful and excited all at the same time. And I I had always secretly looked forward to that for my wedding. And mm-hmm. after going blind, I really didn't think I was going to get married. I really didn't think anyone would really want me. So um, when I did wait, meet Wait, wait, you're serious? Yeah, I'm serious. You really thought you'd be living alone because you were blind? Not just because I was playing, but because I also had all the other health issues. I've had previous relationships in the past, and right. a lot of the time when things didn't work out, it was, you know, concern. Due to your health issue. Yeah, it was concern, yeah. 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 And I was thankful that they didn't fool around with me. Like, they were open and said, you know, this just doesn't, okay, that's great. You know, good. Let's not waste each other's time, right? So, so they were actually honest with you. Yeah. That's rare. That's it rare. is. It is. But, yeah. Um, yeah, so, you know, I've had stuff like that before. And so blindness was really kind of like my last straw. I really didn't think, you know, I didn't really think it was going to work out that well for me. So when I did get engaged and I had to work on wedding details, like I was just dealing with such a hard time realizing that I wasn't going to get to see any of it. I wasn't going to get to see his face, whatever. And so I did a video on my YouTube channel about me just like breaking down and crying about it. Like I couldn't even plan my wedding because I just, I just couldn't. Um, So I grabbed the camera and just cried my eyes out about it. And that was the moment when it reconfirmed for me, I was always going to be real and genuine on my channel because I feel like a a lot of the really big YouTubers, um, I feel like they kind of act the way they think their audience wants them to act. Right. And I, I'm not blaming them. That's how they make a living. Okay. Mm-hmm. But for mm-hmm. me, I just felt like a lot of them were ingenuine because when I started going blind, I was trying to look stuff up on YouTube on how to get through it. And it just felt like everyone was like, oh, everything's rainbows and unicorns and I wouldn't choose anything else. And I was over here like, I hate this. This is awful. Like, <laughs> why? <laughs> so I yeah. thought, you know, there was something wrong with me. Like I wasn't coping properly or whatever. So then I decided to do my own channel. And be like, you know what? I'm gonna, I'm gonna film every last little, ugh. and yeah. I did. 
And I had five people after I did that video contact me that were trying to get through planning a wedding. And, you know, I had three brides and two grooms contact me and say, you know, this video has helped me immensely because I didn't mm -hmm. realize this is why I was having such a hard time, um, like getting ready to plan a wedding. And people just thought I wasn't committed and that's not what was happening at all. I shared the film to family so they could understand what I was going through. And it just really helped us to move through the process. Right. Um, so, yeah. I have that. So my family, actually, we planned something really special right before I was supposed to go out. My husband was to come into the a private room where we filmed it and had pictures where he was blindfolded and brought into the room. And so I had my hands on his face. And so then when they took off his blindfold, I could see how his face reacted to the way I was in my dress and everything. So it was just a really, really special moment I got to have before the wedding. So uh, we did yeah. do that. Yeah. See, ladies and gentlemen, inspiring. <laughs> that's what it is. That's what. That's all you can say. I mean, if you have the ability to inspire one person, that's all you need. I mean, that shows that you're doing it right, no matter who, <laughs> what criticism you get. I mean, <laughs> it's amazing. It's amazing that you are able to say something like that. Uh, I mean. God, it's amazing. I just can't. I, I don't. I, I have no words. There's for the a lot first of time, I have no words. <laughs> well, I tell people there's a lot of times where yes, I'll be crying about something or being like, I just can't do this anymore or whatever. Um, mm -hmm. And I don't tell that to discourage people, but to let them know it's okay to have times like that. Yeah, it's okay. You don't need permission to. Like I have a breakdown. <laughs> Sometimes, right. you know, like that's, that's like recently I've decided to take a break from Facebook just because I've been dealing with a lot emotionally. Like just, mm -hmm. I've had one problem after the other, these last few months just keep coming up, just keep pressing my buttons, just keep pushing me into a corner. Sure. And it's been really hard. And there's been a lot of times when it felt like people were watching my story, not because they were wanting to be inspired, but because they were looking for something to have a problem with. And that just really, I came to the realization though, this last couple of weeks, you know what? I'm giving them way much more power than they actually have or they even deserve. So I'm planning on making a conquering comeback to Facebook and being like, you know what? <laughs> the new queen is in town. Exactly. Here my reign. <laughs> exactly. 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 And more people should think like you. God, I wish people thought like you. Um, ladies and gentlemen, like I said, look for uh, Ashley's page, your Canadian blind girl, and uh, her YouTube channel. Definitely subscribe to it. Uh, definitely check her blog out and uh, help her if you can to by donating to her PayPal. Um, and like I said, lastly, look for her collaboration between her channel and mine. And uh, if you've ever wanted to crochet and weren't sure how to go about it, um, hopefully Ashley can teach you. And mm -hmm. hopefully she can tell you what you need and what you don't need. And, <laughs> well, who knows what you need. 
honestly, I've 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 never understood crocheting and knitting. I I've, <laughs> I've never understood that. My uh, my friend used to teach me, and and she couldn't explain it to me. And and like, how do I do this or that or this? It's really, you know, it's amazing when someone steps up and tells you how to do it blind. Mm -hmm. Because they aren't, you know, blind. Things are out there, but you all have to see what it looks like to do it. Mm. No one mm -hmm. actually describes it to you yeah. uh, as a blind person. Mm -hmm. uh, I mean, I've been looking for a way to edit videos for the longest time. Um, and yet, you know, everyone tells me, well, you know, all the tutorials tell you, click this, click that, mm -hmm. click this. And mm -hmm. they don't tell us, okay, which keystrokes do I press? You know, it, it's just mm -hmm. ridiculous. Yeah. But I want to thank Ashley for being on our show. Remember, check her out. You're a Canadian blind girl. And uh, I really hope she gets out there to the point where she makes a lot of change in this world. At least we know in the Philippines she'll do something. <laughs> I don't know. We know well, we'll see. We'll see. <laughs> Who knows? Maybe you'll tame that husband of yours. <laughs> I doubt that. <laughs> I mean, I wasn't able to tame mine, so best of luck to you. <laughs> thank you. <laughs> Ladies oh, and gentlemen, thank you, thank you for joining us today. Uh, remember, it's a blind life perspective, and uh, you know, there's always something to talk about. Thanks for coming by. Thank <laughs> you, Ashley. Thank you. Okay, bye bye. Bye.